Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. saints i am your host and teacher and founder of learning bible truth and back to basics sharing the gospel ministries this is the final episode of the prayer of faith being taught by the late great awesome apostle frederick casey price senior and to me this is by far the best episode so don't forget to take notes Write down the scriptures he give you. Take notes of the explanation he is sharing about the scriptures because he is accurate. He is on point. So with that said, sit back and relax. Goes to James chapter 5. The book of James, the fifth chapter. My, 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 my. My, my, my. Well... Ah, James chapter 5, two verses. If you have five, say, I have it. Very good. All right. We're going to look at, uh, briefly, verses 14 and 15. They read as follows. Now, I happen to be teaching from and reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. I say that for the benefit of our first-time visitors here in the auditorium and for those watching by TV. If you're using the traditional King James, it's perfectly all right. We'll end up in the same place, but if some of the words are different, that's probably why. All right, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, I only use those verses not to teach on healing, but to extract from verse 15 the phrase, the prayer of faith. That's what we're talking about now. We finished a series recently called Prayer and How to Do It, and now we're talking about the prayer of faith. Now, we found out from Mark chapter 11, go there if you would be so kind, Mark chapter 11 in the 24th verse, which is and could be called the prayer of faith and or petition prayer. Both of those terminologies refer to the same kind of prayer, the prayer of faith and or the prayer of petition. Now, James said the prayer of faith will save the sick. So if the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up, then obviously the prayer of doubt will kill the sick. <laughs> if the prayer of faith will raise him up, then the converse or the opposite of that would be the prayer of doubt. Then therefore, if I pray in doubt, then I consign the sick person to an untimely death. Now, Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. The traditional version says, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Now, that's the prayer of faith. Now, the prayer of faith always has to do with believing that you receive and it's at the time you pray, which is present tense or now. That takes us now to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We looked at this before, but I want to go back to it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray. 
So when you pray, it would always have to be present tense. It would have to be N-O-W, now. That's very important to understand about faith and, of course, about the prayer of faith. Now, here in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is, not yesterday faith was, not tomorrow faith will be, now, present tense. So actually now and when mean the same thing. W-H-E-N and N-O-W mean the same thing in reference to biblical principles in regards to faith. Because Jesus said, when you pray. So, if I say, let us pray, it won't be tomorrow, will it? I mean, if I say right now, let us pray. If I say it won't be yesterday, will it? It would have to be what? Now, present tense. So then Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is. So faith is always now, meaning present tense. So if it's not now, if it's not present tense, it's not faith and it will not compute. It will not work. It will not produce results. Now, we also found out that prayer, or rather the prayer of faith, has nothing to do with what you see. And I like to change the word see instead of saying see because right away it connotes the idea of visual perception. But rather to say, uh, instead of saying seen, uh, faith has to do with that which cannot be perceived by your senses. So therefore it takes it out of the realm of the senses. Sight, smell, taste, hearing, and touching. So that means that in order to walk by faith or pray the prayer of faith, then I have to leave the realm of the senses and enter into the realm of the spirit, which I like to call the spirit world and or the sixth sense. So faith is a sensory mechanism or sensory perceptor of your recreated human spirit, and that's how you contact God. See, I contact visuals with my eyes I cannot see with my nose I've made a great attempt to do so but it's not worked yet so if I want something visually eyes if I want something audibly ears if I want something by scent smell if I want to have a taste tongue if I want to touch it I gotta have some digitals or some fingers or toes or something in order to touch it right so if I'm dealing with the things of God by faith, then faith becomes the sensory perceptor of my recreated human spirit so that I can contact the spirit world where God is. Now, notice that verse in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. I pointed out last time that hope does not have any substance to it. It has no tangibility. It has no materiality. Hope doesn't have anything that my physical senses can contact unless and until I add my faith to it. If I add my faith to my hope, then I give my hope substance or materiality or tangibility or that which I can eventually contact with my senses. Then it says that faith is the evidence, and we agreed last time that evidence is proof, and proof substantiates or validates the existence of something that I don't presently have. Because if I had it, I wouldn't have to have any proof of it, I would have it. Therefore, proof is temporary and only serves until the thing that it is the proof of arrives on the scene. So it says in Hebrews 11:1 1, that faith itself is the evidence. Faith is the proof of that which I cannot perceive with my senses. So I have to contact that with my faith through my spirit. Now, I told you to turn to Romans chapter 10 last time, and that's when we ran out of time. That's a very brief uh, update of where we left off before. Go back to Romans now or go to Romans chapter 10. I know a lot of these things are, are, are known to you, but it's always good to uh, put you in remembrance. Plus, we're going to go into some other things in a few moments that you haven't looked at before. All right, Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Verse 8 says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So Paul was preaching the word of faith 2,000 years ago. He said, now the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. Your heart is your spirit or the center of your threefold nature. He says the word is in your mouth and it's in your spirit. Now what's it in your mouth for? To speak it because that's how you release your faith by words through your mouth. That's why the prayer of faith is so important, because in order to pray, I must say. If I do not say, I did not pray, I merely thought. 
and no promise of God in the covenant is based on your thoughts. It's only based on faith, and faith is released by words through your mouth. If you believe it, you got to say it. If you don't say it, it'll never come to pass. That's how it is released. I don't know why, but that's the way it works. But you can get an indication of it, an inkling of it, when you go to the first chapter of the Bible, the book of Genesis, and read through there in reference to the creation of the world. It says that God said, let there be light and then the light came. God said, let the dry land appear, and then the dry land appeared. Now, who was God talking to, and why was he saying words? Why didn't he just project a thought? Why didn't he just visualize the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the earth, and the mountains, and the lakes, etc., etc., and just project a thought? I don't know. When you meet him, ask him about it. I don't know why, but the word says, and God said, 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 and nothing came into existence until after God said it. Why? Because God was releasing his faith. That's why he demands on our part that if we want to contact him and interface with him, we're going to have to release our faith by words through our mouth. All right? It says here in verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. All right, it's in your mouth to speak it. It's in your heart to believe it. So my speaking ought to be based on what I believe. And that's what faith is, acting on what you believe. And the first act is always a verbal act followed by whatever physical act you're able to perform that is consistent with what you said with your mouth. It goes on to, ver to say... Uh, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Well, what do we preach? We preach the word of God. When we preach the word of God, what do we preach? We preach the gospel. When we preach the gospel, what do we preach? We preach good news. When you get news, what do you have? Information. Now you're informed. What about the things of God? Therefore, the word of God preach or proclaim causes faith to come. Look at the 17th verse. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't say so then faith comes by having heard. Oh, I heard that. No, that's not good enough. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing is present tense continuum ad infinitum. It goes on forever and ever. The beat goes on. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why Jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why Jesus? Because Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't go preach, then they can't hear. If they can't hear, they can't believe. If they can't believe, they can't receive. If they can't receive, they can't get saved. If they can't get saved, they go into hell. So you go preach the word. Faith can come. They can believe and they can receive. All right. Now, the prayer of faith has nothing to do with sight. Always remember that. If you can see it, you don't need any faith. In other words, if you can perceive it by your senses, faith doesn't function or operate there. It only operates when you can't perceive. That's why Hebrews 11 one says faith is the evidence of things not seen. Not the evidence of things seen, but the evidence of things not seen, so faith only has to do with the unseen. All right, now go to Ephesians chapter 6. We talked about this in uh, the previous series on prayer and how to do it, but I want to just tie it in with this prayer faith because it's important to understand that. Now, <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 6, Look at the 18th verse. If you have it, say, I have it. All right, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer. Pick up on that. Praying always. How often? Always. Praying always with all prayer. Now, it's interesting. He said praying well, you know, right there it would tell you to pray. But then he says praying with all prayer. So that word all is referring to different kinds. We looked at that when we talked about prayer and how to do it. But I, it's important for where we want to go. So he says praying always with all prayer 
and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Now, I pointed out to you when we were in the other series, and I'll say it now for the benefit of first-time visitors, there are at least six different kinds of prayer that I have found in the New Testament. Six different methods, six different ways to pray. And all of them have specific functions for specific situations, and they're all governed by specific rules. And if you don't play the game by the rule, you'll foul out. In other words, it won't compute, it won't work. Now, when he says all prayer, that's telling me that there's more than one kind of prayer. Now, our present subject is the prayer of faith. And you could figure this out from what we read in James where he said that the prayer of faith would save the sick and the Lord would raise him up. If there were no other kinds of prayer, you wouldn't have to say the prayer of faith. All you'd have to do is say pray. Right? Don't in, don't don't overwhelm me with your enthusiasm. Now. I mean, the, you know I don't don't you know. But he said the prayer of faith. So there must be another kind of prayer. Well, this verse here tells us praying with all prayer. Now there's six different kinds of prayer. There's a prayer of faith. We're talking about that now. Then there's a prayer of agreement. That's where two or three people agree together and pray. You have to be in agreement if that's going to work. Then there's a prayer of binding and loosing. I can bind evil spirits. I can cast them out. I can release people from the hold on a spirit if they allow me to and will exercise their faith with my faith. Then there's a prayer of um, praise and worship where you're not asking God for anything, but rather you're just praising him and extolling his virtue and his goodness to you, etc., etc. And then fifth, there's the prayer of uh, what? Not that one. I want that one yet. Prayer of intercession. I didn't want that other one until last. The prayer of intercession where you're not praying for you, nothing for you, but only for someone else. Then there is the prayer of consecration and dedication. That's the prayer where you're praying and there isn't any covenant promise that promises you that. So in that kind of prayer, and that's the only kind of prayer that you would ever use if it be thy will. And that's the kind of prayer that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's the only time he ever prayed that prayer. That's the only time he ever used the words, not my will, but yours be done. When you pray the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith won't work if you say, if it be thy will. Because when you pray that way, you are saying you don't know what the will of God is. Therefore, you couldn't be praying in faith. You'd have to be praying in doubt. So you short-circuit the system. It can't work for you. So it's not a mark of humility to say, if it be thy will. See, you only use that prayer in reference to a prayer that you're praying where you can't go to the covenant that you have and find out what you could do based on the covenant. I gave the illustration before in the other series, but I'll give it again briefly. When I started Crenshaw Christian Center, the Lord began to deal with me. I was in a denomination, and he began to deal with me about leaving the denomination and starting an independent church. Not independent of him, but dependent upon him, but independent of what men say. And so he, he just gave me the unction to do that. Well, at the time, I was willing to do it, and I said yes to the Lord, but he didn't give me any directions as to where I was supposed to start the church. So when I prayed in reference to God dealing with me about leaving the denomination and starting another church, I had to pray, now, Lord, if it be your will that I go to Los Angeles, I'm willing to go. If it be your will that I go to Inglewood, California, I'm willing to go. If it be your will that I go to Long Beach and start this church, I'm willing to go. Not my will, but your will be done. See, I had to pray that way because I can't go to the Bible and find a scripture that says, Fred Price, go to Inglewood, California, 9550 Crenshaw Boulevard and start Crenshaw Christian Center. It's not in the book. I can't go there. So I'd have to pray a prayer of consecration and dedication. I'm dedicating myself to the will of God, and I'm simply saying I am willing to go wherever you want me to go. If it be your will that I go here, I'm willing to go. If it be your will that I go there, I'm willing to go. Do you understand that? 
But if I say, if it be thy will, heal me, then I'm going to die unless I got a good doctor because that's already in the book. That's already in the covenant. That's already a promise. I can go to the word and the word tells me that himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. The word tells me that with his stripes, I was healed. The word tells me he sent his word and healed them. My, his word tells me that his name is Jehovah Rapha, which means I am the Lord that heals you. I am not the Lord that was the one or will be the one. I am present tense now, W-H-E-N, when you pray, believe you receive. So if I use an if it be thy will, then I'm out of line with the word and the word can't work for me. Do you understand that? Comprende? Yeah. All right. Now, let's move on. The prayer of faith is an individual matter, just you and God. You can't force that off on somebody else. That, that, that's really, that prayer is for me and God. When I want to pray in reference to this man, then we get together and pray the prayer of agreement. If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them. Plural. Prayer of faith, me and God. Not me and my wife, not me and my children, me and God. Okay? All right. Now, if it be thy will, as I already pointed out, is not for every prayer. Some people think so, and so they always pray and end every prayer. I used to do it before I got wise to the word. I thought I was being humble. You know? And so I'd end every prayer with, if it be thy will, and didn't know that I had just erased a prayer. When I said, if it be thy will, it's the same as having that document in Word and hitting the delete button. <laughs> you ever done that by mistake or accident or something, you know? Drop something, tried to grab and hit the, oh, it's gone, you know? And that's what happened to your prayer, see? Now, go to Matthew chapter 26, and we'll just look at it briefly. I just quoted it. Uh, but I want you to see it with your own little beady eyes or your great, big, beautiful, almond-shaped eyes. <laughs> Whatever makes you happy. All right, Matthew 26 and verse 36. Well, let's, let's go to verse 39 just to save some time. Verse 39 of the 26th chapter of Matthew. This is the one I was referring to a moment ago, but I want you to actually see it. It says, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from, pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That's, that's the, the statement, really, if it be thy will. Now, let's look at something else so that you can see that that's not the way Jesus prayed regularly because that was a special situation he was getting ready to become the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world he was getting ready to offer himself up as a living sacrifice to shed his precious blood so that mankind could be redeemed and because he had never experienced separation from the Father he had always been with the Father in eternity past and the Father had always said this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased now in order for Jesus to become our sin bearer in order for Jesus to take away the sin of the world it's going to necessitate him becoming sin for us in order to do that he's going to have to be cut off from God his relationship with the father has got to be severed he's got to sever himself from God he had never ever experienced that before and therefore all that was in him cried out and saying saying in essence father is there another way this can be done without me having to be separated from you we've always had intimate fellowship ever since time immemorial and now in order for me to redeem mankind i'm going to have to become sin and you can't look upon sin so in consequence of that in order for me to redeem mankind i'm going to have to become sin and when i do our relationship will be cut off i really don't want that but not my will but your will be done but if there's another way that this can be accomplished without me being separated from you, I would certainly like to pursue that option. But there wasn't any other way, so that was the only time that Jesus prayed that kind of prayer. Go to John now, chapter 11, and let's look at something that's just diametrically opposed, as it were, to that business about your will be done, or if it be your will. 
This is the story, John chapter 11. This is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. You're familiar with the story, or even if you're not, I'll bring you up to speed. This is a man who had, who was loved by Jesus, apparently a friend of Jesus, and the man got sick, and he died. And Jesus was in another part of the country at the time he got the news. Well, he remained where he was for a few more days, and ultimately when he finally came to Bethany and arrived on the scene, the man, Lazarus, had died. Dead. You know, graveyard dead. D-E-A-double-D, dead. And then they said that he'd been in the grave for four days. Actually, Jesus came to the tomb and uh, because he asked them, well, where have you laid him? And so they came to the, he came to the tomb and he said, take away the stone. So he's getting ready to do something. And he said, take away the stone. They said, oh, no, 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 master, don't do that. He's been dead four days and his body's already begun to decompose. He'll be stinking by now. And Jesus said to her, this is one of the sisters of the man that had died, and he said, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? And so he said, move the stone. And they moved the stone. Now, watch this. Look at verse 41. Oh, this is, this is awesome. Look at this. Look at this. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, I pointed this out when we taught on prayer and how to do it. You don't even have to have your eyes closed when you pray. It's not prayer because you close your eyes. It's not prayer because you cup your little hands together. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it really basically is to keep you from being distracted while you're praying. But it's closing your eyes doesn't make it work. You can put some duct tape over your eyes, and if you're not in faith, it's not going to work. <laughs> duct tape? When did ducks get in on this, Pastor? Don't even, don't worry about it. All right, watch this now. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Now, now, if this that we're getting ready to read doesn't excite you, then I'm going to call for an altar call right now to get you heathens saved. He hurt my feelings. He called me a heathen. Did you hear me mention anybody's name? See that? See that? See how y'all are? I'm trying, always trying to help you to grow up, but you just want to stay in the nursery sucking on a pacifier. I'm trying to get you out of the nursery, get you to where you can feed yourself and not have to be dependent, but you get personal about it. Now, this, this, this is, this is incredible. Listen to this. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have... Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where, where, are, my, where are my school teachers? Do I have any English teachers in here? Anybody teach English? Uh, have, listen to this. It says, Father, I thank you that you have. Now, just stop right there. Forget about anything after that. It just says, I thank you that you have. What does that indicate? I thank you that you have. He didn't say, I thank you that you are. That would be present tense. I thank you that you will. Future tips. So I get an A in the class. Did I get it, did I get it right? Okay. Uh, watch it. Watch this now. Because this is incredible. We're talking about the prayer of faith. Jesus always prayed the prayer of faith with only one exception. And that was when he was in the garden praying the prayer of consecration and dedication. 
in reference to what I've already explained. Everywhere else, he never prayed, no, if it be nothing. He never used it. Watch this now. Watch this now. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. The man hadn't even prayed yet, and he's already confessing that the Father has heard him. Ooh, talk to me. What? He hadn't even prayed yet, and he's already thanking the Father. I thank you that you have heard me. Now watch this. When did he hear it? Four days before. All right? Back up in that chapter, chapter 11. Uh, go back up to, uh, let's see. Uh, Eleven four. Look at the fourth verse. Thank you very much. It says, when Jesus heard that, that was when they came to him with the news that the man had died. Okay? Or rather was sick. Excuse me. He was sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. In other words, the sickness will not terminate in death. In other words, death will not be the end of this story. He said that four days before. He said, verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Then, go down to verse 14, or rather, let's see, uh, verse 11. said these things he said and after that he said to them our friend Lazarus sleeps oh here you're gonna get it here you're gonna get a really beautiful story listen to this he said our friend Lazarus sleeps but I go that I may wake him up <laughs> yeah he's sleeping I'm gonna wake him up now watch this Watch this now. Watch this. Then, verse 12, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to him plainly, to them rather, plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, there are two ways to view things. One is from the natural perception. The other one is from God the Father's perception. God never sees his people who die as dead. He sees them as asleep because sleep portends the possibility and eventuality that the person's going to wake up. And they will when the trumpet sounds, when the alarm clock of heaven goes off, the dead in Christ shall rise. Woo! Now watch this though. So he said, watch this now. Watch this now. Verse 4 says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. In other words, it's not going to end in death. The whole story will not end in death. Now, he said that out loud. He didn't have a thought. He said it out loud. He put his business in the street because he committed himself. If something doesn't happen, he's going to look bad. Now, see, if he had, had a thought in his mind, said, nobody would have known, see? And then if it didn't work, or if Lazarus didn't come back or didn't wake up, he, Jesus wouldn't look bad. But he put his business forever in the street. He made a public declaration. Said, this sickness is not unto death. Lazarus is asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. Now, back to verse 41. 
That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. When? Four days before. He spoke to word. Four days before. Four days before. Now watch this. Latter part of the 41st verse. Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know... Oh, I like this. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth, Jesus said to them, Loose him. Let him go. Now, see, he said, watch this now. Boy, you want to get this. Listen to this, verse 42, and I know that you always hear me. Now, you would think that because Jesus did this, that nobody else could say something like that. But I'm going to say it. I thank you, Father, that you always hear me when I pray. Ah, oh, there you go, bragging again. That's what I say about him. He's so arrogant. Think he knows everything. Well, I know enough. And I want to show you why I said that. I didn't just say that just to be funny or just to say something to be sensational. No, no, no. I say that because that is the way that God works. And his word never fails. Go to First uh, John, the first epistle of John. That's the first letter of John towards the back of your New Testament. 1 John chapter 5. And this is how and why I said what I said. And those that have known me for any length of time, I've, it's not the first time I've said it. And I got it out of the Word. I, I can say it now, not out of arrogance, not out of knowing everything, but out of a confident assurance that my father has not lied to me. There was a time, honey, I heard, heard my prayer. I didn't even know if the thing got out of the room. I'm not kidding you. I used to pray and wonder, did it get out of the room? Most of the time I felt like it didn't because I never got nothing I prayed for. Because I wasn't praying right. See, I thought God just, just heard and answered just because you got a need go to your grave with a knee. <laughs> no, that's not why God answered. God answered because you pressed the right buttons. Huh? Yeah, he, he responds to press. You got to press the right button. Got nothing to do with your knee. Now watch this. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 14. We're talking about the prayer of faith. Now, this is the confidence This is the confidence that we have in him that if, say if, that if we ask anything, watch this, remember Mark eleven twenty four. what things soever, sounds like anything to me, that sounds like the meaning of whatsoever. That translates out to whatever, doesn't it? That's to me, that sounds just like anything. What things soever. Now watch this. He says, he says, if oh, we ask anything, 
according to his will, he hears us. Yes, Brother Price, but that's my problem. I, I, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. <laughs> well, you just let the rabbit out of the box. You just told me you don't read the Bible. You don't know anything about the his new covenant. Will is his word. Because if you did, you would know that you hold in your little hot hand, fingernail polish and all, <laughs> the will of God. Amen. This is the will of God. Haven't you ever heard the term the last will and testament of so-and-so? Yeah. Do you know why they call it a will? It's because the deceased before deceasing has decided that it's my will that my son have my roles. It is my will that my daughter have the country estate. A will means the will of the person that died. Well, you hold in your hand the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why they call it a testament. Testament is a will. This is the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means that what's in here is his will. So if you want to know his will, know his word because his word is his will. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Okay, watch this now. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, pick up on this. This verse is telling me that in order for God to hear me, I must ask according to his will. It's his game, and he sets the rules. He says, if you ask anything according to my will, how can he dare take a chance and say anything? I might ask for something stupid. I might ask for something ungodly. Why would you want to do that? Oh, I wouldn't. Well, then have as much confidence in yourself as God has in his own children. That's why he put that in there, because he believes that if you will know his word, you'll never ask for anything that's stupid, dumb, ungodly, or that would ever cut off your relationship with the Father. So he could afford to say anything. Okay? Now watch this. He said, this is the confidence. What's another word for confidence? What? Trust. That a good word? I can trust. See, if I can have confidence in you, that means I can trust you. If I can't trust you, I sure can't have no confidence in you. Right? So if I have confidence in you, that means I can trust you. Right? So we could say it this way, and this is the trust that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, pick up on this now, verse 15. And if we know. Well, I hope the Lord heard me. I don't. I know. That's why Jesus said, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you'll always hear me. Why? Because he always prayed consistent with the will and the plan and purpose of the Father. Hallelujah. So when you do that, you can know that he hears you. That's why when I say tell people that, and you know they think it's just being arrogant. It's not arrogant. It's confidence. It's trust. I got it from God. I say God hears me every time I pray. And I always get exactly what I pray for plus more. Why? Because I'm arrogant? No, because I'm confident. Not arrogant, but bold. Because I've got the will. I got the word. It's a legal document signed by the high court of heaven. It will compute in God's great computer system. And so what I've done, watch this now, what I've done, he said if we ask anything according to his will. So instead of trying to be cute and come up with some kind of esoteric, some kind of unusual, oh, oh God, our help in ages past. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Please hear thy humble servants cry. <laughs> that's not confidence. That's foolishness. 
No, what I have done is made it my life's goal to always be sure that when I ask, I ask according to the will. And when I do that, I have the confidence and the trust that he hears me. So I can say, just like Jesus, I know that he hears me. And you always hear me because I take the time to find out what the will is. Now, remember Mark 11, 24. What things do you desire when you pray? Believe that you receive them, you shall have them. So you have to believe that you have it before you get it, before you ever perceive it with your senses. That's what faith is. Why? Because faith is the evidence. Faith is the proof. Not the thing is the proof. Faith is. Now watch this. Oh, verse 15, listen. And if we know, I don't hope, I know. And if we know that he hears us, Think about it. How do I know he heard me? Because verse 14 said, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's how I know. He told me that he hears me. Hallelujah. So all I got to do is ask according to his will. Right? Okay, watch this now, verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have Ask of him. Now here's faith. Here's faith. Listen, look at it. Look at it. We know that we have. Yeah, but I can't see it. I can't feel it. No, faith is the evidence. If you had the thing, you wouldn't need any faith. But you need your faith because it's your faith that causes it to come to where you can see it, smell it, taste it, touch it, and hear it. Oh. All right, now. Now, under the old covenant, oh, no, let me tell you this first. I want to give you a rule. Here's a rule. Anytime you pray a prayer to get, G-E-T, get something, to do, D-O, do something, or to change, C-H-A-N-G-E, change something, never put an if, it be thy will, because if you do, it will not fly, it will not work. The rule is, whenever you pray to get, do, or change something, you never put an if, it be thy will. If you do, it will not work. Anytime you pray a prayer to get, do, or change something, you never put an if it be thy will. Because you'd be praying in doubt, not in faith, and he doesn't hear doubt, he only hears faith. Now, the key to praying the prayer of faith is to remember that you must believe that you have received even though you do not see it yet. Now, turn to John chapter 20. And let's let the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, speak. The prayer. Are you getting anything out of this? Don't play me now. Don't play me. John chapter 20 and verse. This was after the resurrection. Jesus had appeared to the disciples in a locked room. And Thomas, one of the disciples, was not with them when Jesus first appeared. So, pick up on this, verse 24. This, 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 this that we're getting ready to read can be worth $27 trillion 
dollars to you. It can be worth a long life. Live in health and wealth. For the purpose of you being a reservoir and ultimately a channel of blessing to seek and to save that which is lost. I don't know if you're ready for this. I don't I don't think you can handle this. Think you can handle it? You ready? Well, even if you're not, I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> Might as well get, act like you're ready. Okay, watch this. This is, this is heavy. All that we've been talking about. Remember, faith only has to do with the unseen. In other words, that which is not perceived by the senses. Watch this. Verse 24. Now, Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. See, believing is an act of the will. It has nothing to do with anything in the environment around you. It's simply an act of the will. He said, unless I put my finger in the print of the nail in his hand, unless I put my hand in his side, he didn't say, I can't believe. He said, I will not believe. I, I just ain't going to believe it. Oh, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 25 again. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving or like the traditional says faithless I like that faithless which means less faith and be not unbelieving or faithless but believing oh and Thomas answered and said to him my Lord and my God Jesus said to him Thomas because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed Yes, the blessing doesn't come from seeing. The blessing comes from believing. Hallelujah. And it is the believing that will cause the seeing. Said Thomas, Hallelujah. you believe because you've seen. Anybody can do that. It doesn't take any faith. <laughs> but he said, without faith is impossible to please God. Not without seeing, but without faith. He said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. Blessed. 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 Are those who believe and haven't seen a thing? Where are you? Who are you? Are you one of those that have to see it before you will believe it? Or are you among the blessed? Are you among the blessed? Well, shout if you're among the blessed. Talk to me if you're among the blessed.
and have not seen. Woo! What thing soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. message has been a blessing to you hallelujah praise god praise god for apostle price and that word yes lord it never returns to you void i'm a living witness i am a living witness it was the prayer of faith that healed me hallelujah well saints i hope this little mini series blessed you I hope you learned something. This is what you call teaching. We have to teach God's people. We have to feed the sheep. We feed the sheep the word of God. You just heard the word of God in simplicity. If you didn't understand this teaching, uh, you know, I feel for you. I feel for you. God bless you. Now, this is the end of this series. However, next Saturday, I'll be teaching it. Um, an uh, episode entitled, Do You Have the Testimony of Jesus? And after that, because this series have been so, so important, and I know it have blessed a lot of you, I'm going to start a second series by Apostle Frederick K.C. Price Sr. It's called The Formula for Answered Prayer. Because, look, prayer is so important. It is a very important part of the Christian life because we live and walk by faith. Death and life is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit, meaning you will be the recipient of your words. You can either bless you and your family with your words or you can curse you and your family with your words. And the most important part of this last episode that I want you to take away is you have to believe that you receive when you talk to God before you see it. Don't be like Thomas. Thomas needed to see and needed to feel Jesus before he believed that that was the risen Christ. And Jesus said, blessed is the man who believed and haven't seen. Are you one of the ones who believe before you see? Because if you need to see something, you are not walking by faith. So saints, uh, look, I enjoy listening to this message over and over and over again. Of course, I've had uh, the teachings by uh, Apostle Price for uh, tons of it for years. I've learned a lot from him. I have tons of his books. And I comp and trust what I tell you, I don't just take his word for it. Because there's some things I don't agree with um, in his teachings. But the majority of them, yes, because I've researched it. I looked at the scripture. I researched. I allowed the Holy Spirit to guide me. And the Holy Spirit tells me what the truth is. Because I don't worship man. I worship God and God alone. So until next time, saints, please be blessed and continue to walk with Jesus. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. 
I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.